Just with you saying words, positive, affirming words can help turn the tide of battle to your husband, to the head of the household, to your, to your fathers or to your brothers. Ladies, you have so much power of influence in your mouth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. Well, I want to welcome all of you here today. Uh, and I want to welcome our online community, Kingdom Rock. Let's welcome our online community. Welcome, 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 online community. Welcome. Wherever you are all around the world and whenever you are all around the world, uh, wherever you're watching, we want to just tell you thank you and we appreciate you uh, for tuning in today. You are in for a special treat and a blessing. You're not watching or listening by accident or coincidence. We know that God has a special word in store for you. So you are in mind as we are here in service today. So we bless you. All right. Well, as you know, we're in a series uh, entitled, Where is Adam? Where is Adam? And this is part number two of that series. Now, I know a lot of you were expect, may have been expecting uh, to hear a female voice this morning. Well, so was I. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, but we're going to follow the leading of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to speak from the subject today of when mama speaks, when mama speaks. This is where is Adam part number two. Now, the last time we were here, we talked about um, we talked about Eve's deception there in the book of Genesis, how Eve was deceived, but uh, Adam was not. So we talked about Eve's deception and Adam's failure uh, to protect her in the garden. Uh, but again, don't discount the woman because the woman is powerful. The woman is powerful. Any woman being deceived can convince a man that is not deceived that uh, disobeying God is the right thing to do and eat of the fruit and then cause the total destruction of mankind. That's the woman of power there. <laughs> Are you hearing me? But at the same time, God used another woman to bring about the salvation of mankind. That woman, Mary, agreed with God and salvation was brought to all of mankind. Women are powerful when mama speaks. Are you hearing me? So uh, I just want to make things clear that there is, there is still no mistaking it that God has placed the husband as the head of a household. He's placed him as the king, as the priest, and as the servant leader of the household. And we can find this. As a matter of fact, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, verse number three. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number three. We're going to look at this out of the God's Word translation. The King James reads a little bit differently as it says that uh, the man is the head of the woman. Actually, if you look at that in the, in the Greek text, the word man there is translated husband and woman is translated wife. So um, the God's Word translation just brings it so simple and I want to show it to you. 
It says here, however, I want you to realize that Christ has authority over every man. A husband has authority over his wife, and God has authority over Christ. So there is an order that the Father established for the home. And when things are in godly order, the blessings of God prevail. Now look at this also in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Let me give you another witness. Ephesians 5, verse 21 through 33. And it says this, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now that talks again about a godly household, how the man and the woman, the husband and the wife are both submitted to God. And when they are both submitted to God and submitted to each other, things begin to progress in a home and there is a dynamic blessing that happens in that home. Verse, verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So again, and there's another example I'll give you later on to, uh, should the Lord be willing, that I want you to know that husbands, you have a tremendous responsibility to care for your family. You have a tremendous responsibility to care for your wife and to care for your children. When the Bible talks about uh, husbands loving your wives as you love yourself, understand that children are an extension of the wife. If you were there in the, in the delivery room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Children are an extension of the wife. So with the same measure of love that God has called the husband to love the wife, he's also calling the husband to love the children as well. Hallelujah. Loving the children. And there are about nine roles that I'll give you today, about nine roles that I'll give you quickly that God has given Adam, the head of the household. There are about nine things that I want to share with you today. The first thing is God has called the husband, the head of the household, to lead lead the family. Secondly, he's called them to protect the family. Third, to provide for the family. Four, to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and he is to love her as he loves himself. Now, typically, a sane man does not go around cursing himself out or hitting himself, right? Or starving himself to death. No, God has called the husband, called the man, called Adam to love his wife, first of all, as Christ loved the church. Secondly, also to love her as he loves himself. So God blessed the man. I'm telling you, there's something, there's a malfunction happening there when the husband can buy himself the most expensive things that he can find and then send his wife over to the flea market. I can't get no talk in here. Hallelujah. You want to love her the way you love yourself. Oh, it's quiet. Let's go on to the next one. Number five, live. The husband is called to live a sacrificial life before the family, a sacrificial life before the family. Remember, Jesus hung on the cross for us, for us. It wasn't for him. Jesus was already righteous. He sacrifices life for us. Six, uh, the husband or the head of the household is to live 
rather is to sanctify and to cleanse his family with the word. Sanctify and cleanse the family with the word. I'm giving you these nine roles of a godly husband, of a godly head of household. To cleanse the family with the word. That is, open up that word and present that word before the family. Talk about Jesus with the family, I'm telling you, because that brings a sense of strength and honor and peace in the household when the head of the house opens the book and reads out of the book. Hallelujah. Seven, the husband or the head of the household is called to nourish and cherish them, even as the Lord, the church. Eight, the husband is called to present and represent his family before God through the example of Christ. That is, every morning, every day, you are bringing your family before the Lord. You are calling their name out before the Lord. You become the chief or head intercessor of your own home. Hallelujah. You are the one. And number nine, he is called or the head of the household is called uh, to be a visible representation of Christ in the home. Now, that's big because I tell you what your family needs most is not your love, but the love of God that shines through you. Human love will fail. It will fall. But the love of God never fails. It can never fall. Are you hearing me? So these things may I know seem to be impossible and they are impossible to do for the natural man, but you're not a natural man. You're not a natural man. You are supernatural, Adam. You are supernatural, Eve, because God will empower you to do those things that he's called you to do. You say, well, ladies, you say, well, okay, all these things are from my husband. I hope he's hearing, but understand something. Uh, it's up to you also to take these things and you pray your husband into this role. Hallelujah. You pray him into this role. Lord, cause my husband to nourish and cherish me. Cause him to love me as he loves himself, to love me as you love the church. You can pray these things and help him and lead him into the way that he is to be. Hallelujah. The woman is powerful. You can either, uh, as ladies, as women, as mothers, you can either help encourage that man and strengthen him with the words that are coming out of your mouth, or you can help, uh, you can devastate him and emasculate him and bring him low. But of course, when you do that, it only serves to rob you and rob the children as well. Tough today, but we're going to go on. In Matthew, the 19th chapter, verse 26, the Bible says, the Lord says here that with men, uh, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So I'm telling you that as we honor the Lord, as we honor the Lord, you'll find his power and authority and favor released in your house as you simply do what God has called you to do. You say, well, I can't control them. You're absolutely right. You're not even supposed to control them. You're having enough problem just controlling yourself. But you do have authority over you. So pray that you fulfill your design role in the marriage, in the relationship. And when you do that, God will also honor you. 
You say, well, I'm single and I don't have anyone right now. Well, then you already know what to pray for. Lord, send me a man, send me a husband who will love me like you love the church and gave himself for it. Lord, send me someone who will nourish and cherish me. Send me someone who will bring the word forth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You already know what to do and what to call for. Not just, Lord, send me somebody with curly hair, who got a lot of money, who got a nice job. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10. I want you to see this as well. The Bible says, and, and he said unto me, the Lord said unto him, uh, it says, uh, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then, then am I strong. So you're going to fulfill this role. And again, you say, well, I'm not a father. I'm not a head, a head of household. So this doesn't apply to me. Actually, it really does. Because I've told you last week that there is an epidemic of father absent homes. And we need more male role models, godly role models in our churches, in our communities, and show enough in our schools. We need godly role models who can teach the young men how they must go. And I'm telling you, the, the amount of young men uh, that are fatherless, a great deal of them, even statistics will tell you, uh, a great deal of young men who grew up in fatherless homes, number one, they have a disrespect for women. Many of them, not all of them, thank God, they have a disrespect for women and they disrespect authority. Disrespect authority. Can you imagine a young man going into a, a courtroom disrespecting the judge? But it happens. Disrespecting law enforcement, but it happens simply because they did not have a male role model, a positive, godly male role model in the household. Hallelujah. It does matter. It does matter. And men, again, I tell you, you do matter. And ladies, you do matter because when you speak, you can help raise kings with your speech, just with you saying words, positive, affirm, uh, affirming words can help turn the tide of battle to your husband, to the head of the household, to your, to your fathers or to your brothers. Ladies, you have so much power of influence in your mouth. You have the power of influence in your mouth. Hallelujah. So please do not, do not uh, count yourself down or out. You have the power of influence. You have the power of change already. So today, let's talk about, I want to talk about this and help really bring this point home to you. There is a time and there will be times when Adam will fall again, when Adam will fail again. But Adam, mankind, men, head of household, husbands, brothers, when you fall, especially today, I'm talking, talking to the, the husband at this moment. When you fall, God has given you a helpmeet, someone that will help lift you up, someone that will help encourage you, and someone 
when she is a godly wife who can bring God's word back to you and get you back on the proper course. Hallelujah. If you are a single individual, here again, if you are looking for a spouse, you need to find someone, find a lady. See, this is how you find a good thing and, and obtain favor in the sight of the Lord because she is a receptacle of God's word and can tell you what God has said and help get you back on the appropriate course and take you in the, in the direction where you need to go. Glory to God. So today we'll be speaking from the subject of once again, when mama speaks, when mama speaks. And for that, let's go to uh, Genesis, the 21st chapter. We're going to go back here again today. So I pray that you're hearing today. And Father, I thank you for your magnificent grace today in Jesus' mighty name. Um, again, Genesis 21, uh, verse number 6 through 13. Let's talk about two individuals, uh, one by the name of Abraham and the other by the name of Sarah. I want to show you these things in the word of God today. And so let's look at uh, verse number six. And it says, and Sarah said, God have made me to laugh so that all that here will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said, un who was said unto Abraham that Sarah would have uh, given children suck? For I have, I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw um, the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto uh, Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son for the son of this bondwoman shall not be uh, heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. Now, I want to show you something. I want you to hear this. God called Abraham out of the land, Abraham, or he called Abram out of the land of Ur. Abraham, Abram at the time was married to Sarai, Sarai. And later on, of course, God changed, God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. There's a reason for that. Now, when they journeyed from the land, Abraham was about 75 years old when he left home, when he left his father's house. And he took Sarah and Lot with him, and they journeyed to a place where God told them to go. Now, as they were on their journey, Abraham, or God told Abraham, I'm going to make you uh, a father of many nations, or, or I'm going to bless your seed. Now, Abraham's 75, and, and um, Sarah, I believe, 10 years younger than that. So they were both pretty old. 
So time went on, and now they're in the land that God had called them to live in. And now Abraham is about 85 years old. Ten years had passed since God initially gave him the promise that your seed is going to inherit this land. Your children is going to inherit the land. At that point, his wife, Sarah, came up with an idea. She says, well, honey, simply, it's been 10 years and nothing has happened. Why don't you take my handmaid, my servant over there and my slave, and you have a baby with her baby. Uh, you have a baby with her baby. Yes, what I want to say. You have a child with her and I'll just claim the child as my own. It's been 10 years. Abraham, I'm sure, looks. I think that's a great idea. Well, anyway, Abraham uh, uh, takes, the, takes the woman. And, um, and of course, Sarah, or rather Sarai at that time, gives, gives the bond woman, uh, Hagar, what's her name? It gives her, gives her to Abraham. And, and they went ahead and they did the do. And, and sure enough, she comes up pregnant. Well, this was after 10 years of being in the land. So surely this is how we're going to have this promised child. This is how I'm going to have my heir. You know, it's been 10 years since I've had the promise, since Abraham had the promise. So during that time, Ishmael, the name of the child is Ishmael, and Ishmael is growing in the, and is growing. And, and about 13 years later, now Ishmael is about 13 years old. God comes back to Abraham, Abraham now being 99 years old. And God tells Abraham, Abraham, yeah, Lord. He said simply, uh, or Abram, I'm not going to call you Abraham. And Abram, I'm going to call you Abraham uh, because you're going to be the father of many nations there. And don't worry about Sarah, Sarai. You know, you're going to call her name Sarah. I'm going to make her a princess, a noble woman. She's going to uh, produce kings. As a matter of fact, by this time next year, I'm going to have make a covenant with you and her. And out of her is going to come this promised child. You're going to call his name Isaac by this time next year. The Bible says Abraham laughed. Oh, what? Um, how old, Lord? You know, hey, it is past the time of life for her. She doesn't have a monthly visitor. That's all gone, Lord. Don't you want to? You must understand how this thing work, right? God said, look, is anything too hard for me? Anything too hard for me? I can do this. Nothing's impossible with the Lord. Abraham said, well, Lord, look, you know, surely Ishmael is going to be my heir. <laughs> Let him do that. Let him let him inherit the promises. But God said, no, Abraham, no. Uh, out of Sarah, Sarah's going to have a child. And I will establish my covenant with Isaac, with Isaac. And so that was the promise given. And so actually about one year later, guess who's born? Isaac is now born. And so Isaac is now the one who will inherit the blessing, who would inherit uh, the blessing of the wealth and then the inherit the blessing of the promise, the divine promise of everything would now go through Isaac. Well, Ishmael was the firstborn. And he was the one culturally, the firstborn should have gotten the promises. The firstborn should have gotten all the inheritance. He was born first. And so God said, no, I'm not giving it to him. I'm giving it to Isaac. Side note, 
this whole thing with the Jews fighting the Muslims over there. The Muslims, um, the historians say the Muslims were the, are the children of Ishmael and the Jews' children of Isaac. And they're still fighting over the birthright, fighting over the inheritance even today. So what seemed to be a good idea given by Sarah actually turned out to be very bad. But because Abraham and Sarah were in alignment with God, God still turned around and made it good. They conceived uh, Ishmael when they were still uh, Abram and Sarai. But they became, God renamed them to Abraham, the huh, and on the end of their name symbolized God, Abraham and Sarah. That's the breath of God, because now the breath of God has come into Abraham. The promised child has come into Abraham because out of their lineage, out of their lineage would one day come the Christ. So now Abraham and, and Sarah, and now they have the promise within them and the promise is born. And Isaac now carries the seed of Christ on the inside of him. The promise now goes through the generations. Not through Ishmael, but through Isaac. And so the day came when Sarah was now going to wean. Now um, Isaac was going to be weaned. And this is what we come up with here uh, in Genesis 21st chapter. Isaac is now going to be weaned. So he's about three, somewhere between three and five years of age. Uh, commentators say or historians say between three and five. And one day Sarah sees Ishmael out there mocking Isaac. So he's about 13 or 14 years old at this point, and he is mocking Isaac. Can you imagine some 13 or 14-year-old kid um, talking bad and talking down and uh, just berating a three-year-old child? Well, Sarah sees that, chest pokes out and she goes to Abraham and say, uh-uh, this not going to happen in my house. Are you hearing me? She sees what's coming here. She sees what's happening because I'm sure Ishmael knows this is the promised child, the blessing that you would have received. God said, you're not going to receive it, but that blessing is going gonna, is gonna to come through Isaac. So there's already fighting and warring between the two of them. So Sarah has to stand up and say, no, she got to go and he got to go. Abraham, they got to get up and get out of this house. Hallelujah. And so the, the Bible says that these words grieve Abraham because Ishmael is still his son. And he's grieving on the inside. Now, what Sarah is saying, doing, is going against the culture again altogether because Ishmael was the firstborn and should have inherited. But the stuff belonged to God and God can give it to whoever he wants to give it to. The Bible says, too, that the Lord told uh, Hagar, uh, Ishmael's mother, that your son is going to be a wild man. He's going to be a wild man. 
God did not desire to give the blessing, the promise to the wild man, but wanted to give to the child of laughter. Isaac meant laughter. He wanted to give it to the joy because the joy of the Lord, again, is our strength. And so when mama speaks up now, it's been 13 years 13 years, and God told Abraham, your wife is going to have a child, and out of your wife, I'm going to establish my covenant. So he said, by this time next year, she's going to have a baby. The baby was born, and about three to five years later, Ishmael still remained in the house. Why? Because Abraham is still thinking, well, surely, surely God, you know, you know, he's a baby, but surely Ishmael, because listen, Abraham has been with his son for 13 years. Teach them how to shoot a bow, teach them how to hunt, teach them how to do things around the house. They've had father son time because Ishmael was a child that Abraham didn't think he could have. He was old. Hallelujah. But now here comes a child and now you tell me that I have to let this child go. And it's not like that you go and you can Instagram them and see post his, his post on Facebook somewhere. No, when they go, they're gone. And so Abraham is about to lose his son. And so he's grieving on the inside. But Sarah keeps the promise that God has made. As a matter of fact, let's look at this promise. Uh, let's look at... Uh, yeah, let's look, as a matter of fact, in Genesis 17. Let's go to Genesis 17. Let me show you the full account of the promises that God gave to Abraham because Sarah steps up with boldness and she confronts her husband um, with the word of God, actually. She confronts him because the word of God is within her and she knows what is right and she can see what is happening here. So when mama speaks, so let's look at this in Genesis, Genesis 17, verse 13 through 22. And the, first of all, the Lord talks about circumcision here. And he says, now this is out of the New Living Translation. It says, all must be circumcised. Your, your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family uh, for breaking the covenant. Then God said to Abram, now uh, God's very serious about the circumcision here in the Old Testament. He said, anyone that is not circumcised will be cut off. And really, we can take a side note for a moment. And if you know anything about Moses uh, and his wife Zipporah, when Moses was about to go into Egypt to deliver the people of God, the Bible says that the Lord sought to kill him. God was going to kill Moses. This is, this is before he got into Egypt as he's heading to go into Egypt into uh, deliver the people of God from the house of bondage. On their way there, the Bible says plainly, God sought to kill Moses. And uh, commentators say in the, in the uh, also Amplified Bible say that Moses fell uh, suddenly sick. He became sick. Uh, sick uh, as unto death. Then his wife Zipporah found out why, because Moses had not circumcised his, his had not circumcised his son, so his son was not under the covenant. Moses uh, didn't, in all his trying to save everybody else, all his trying to do the quote unquote work of the Lord. He had not taken care of home. 
And because he had not done that, um, the covenant, he, his family was no longer under the covenant and death was about to come into his household. So Zipporah, his wife, went quickly and got a flint stone, uh, not the cartoon, but, but got, a, but got a, uh, a very rough rock or a sharp rock and she circumcised her son. Now, for any mother, that is hard to do. When you have to say, come here, son, and the son may be 10 years old, the son may be eight, eight to 10 years old, and you tell the son, no matter what the age the child is, here, son, dad is over there in the next room and he's deathly ill. He is dying. You can see him. He is dying. There is judgment on this home. But mama has to step up. She has to speak out. She goes and get a rock and she understands uh, why and she I can see the conversation. Mama, what you doing? You going to do what? Don't we have some anesthesia somewhere, mama? Son, that's not, that's not invented yet. There's no Novocaine, mama? No, that's not invented yet. I can, oh my goodness, son, sit up here. And as she takes the sharp stone and she begins to cut away the foreskin of his private part. And I'm sure he's hollering and I'm sure he's screaming. I would imagine. And she takes after that, she takes the foreskin and the Bible says she throws it at her husband's feet. And she says to Moses, you are a bloody husband unto me. Because Moses didn't take care of home. Well, after the foreskin hits Moses, guess what happens? Judgment leaves his house. Moses recovers. And then he's able to go into Egypt. Because mama spoke up. What he didn't do, he failed to do. Now he's able to finish his mission. Because she was able to stand up and stand in. Women, you have a very powerful role. You have a very powerful role. So she could have said to Moses in bed, you know, you, you, and all that stuff. But instead, I'm sure she had to have gotten with God to learn. This is what she had to know what the covenant was, had to know what it was. The word had to be hidden in her heart. She had to be brave and bold. Come here, son. Let's take care of this brave and bold. And she had to fear God. And, and she had to really be a true worshiper and a true believer to do that. And because she did that, her son was safe and her husband was safe too. And the children of Israel were safe eventually as they came out of the house of bondage because of her. Because of her. And because he, Moses, the mighty man of faith, didn't take care of home first. And so we see here, let's finish reading here as we go back in um, Genesis 17. Let's look at verse number 15 now. It says, then God said to Abraham regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer or no longer be Sarai, which by the way means princess. Uh, from now on, your from now on, her name will be Sarah, which means a noble woman, a wife of a king, a woman of noble birth. 
He said, verse 16, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will, I will uh, bless her richly and she shall become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham uh, bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. All right, now listen to what Sarah remembers. But God replied, no, Sarah, your your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become a he will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21, but my covenant will will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born of you and Sarah uh, about this time next year. When God had uh, finished saying, he left Abram. That's it. I'm done. So what happened here as we're close today? Abraham, he's in disbelief. But Sarah does have a child. Abraham still holding on to the promise that maybe Ishmael, my son, my firstborn, one I thought was really impossible, that he will have the blessing. But Sarah had to remind him, no, it's going to Isaac. Now you've got to get this that is now out of order. You've got to get this out of our house. What seemed to be a good idea has now become devastating. She has got to go. Now, the Bible says again, and even in Genesis, I believe the third chapter, the Bible says that when the Lord talks about uh, how the curse was going to come upon the woman as in, as, as in with child, as she's having children, there's going to be a lot of pain. But then it says that your husband will rule over you. So even though Abraham is in charge of the house. He's the head of the home. He is the Adam. Still, God told him, listen to your wife. Listen to your wife. Why? Because she is armed with the word. She has the prescribed order. When the word hits Abraham, it causes him to shiver. But then God backs up the woman. Do it. Abraham has to comply with the word. And then the blessing was able to go on through the generations because Sarah spoke up. If she had not spoken up, I wonder what would have happened. Would Ishmael have dominated the little boy when the baby is only three, three to five years old and Ishmael is 13 to 14 year old already, already mocking him? What would have happened in that sibling rivalry? What would have happened? Sarah, seeing it, 
Abraham maybe have known about it, but mama saw it and said immediately, she and he has got to go. So Isaac was able to grow on and Joseph was born and all the other children were born. Um, all the other children were born. The 12 tribes were born and all that. And it goes all the way down to the birth of Christ. Thank God for Sarah. Thank God for mama. Thank God she spoke up. I pray for the word of God today. We're stopping there in Jesus mighty name. Father, we give you praise today. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. And Father, I just pray, I pray for all the mothers that are listening. I pray for all the ladies that are listening. And Father, I pray that as they are called to be the helpmeets of the home, helpmeets of the husband, Lord, I pray that they will keep your words in their heart as well, that they may remind the head of the household, that they may remind Adam of the things that you said to help encourage him and also to steer him back in a righteous direction. Father, I pray for the spirit of boldness to come upon them, that they will not be timid when they see their promise being attacked. Father, I pray that they will stand up as bold, as bold lionesses. And Lord, they will, they will defend their families. They will defend their husbands. They will defend their children, even if it costs them pain, like it did Zipporah. Father, I pray that in that moment that they will not hesitate because so much is riding on mama, so much is riding on the wife. And I thank you, Lord, that they will encourage their husband. They will encourage Adam. They, they will encourage the man to stand up and to stand strong and to hear the voice of God and do what you say. Because even after this point, Abraham has a journey. He has to take Isaac up to the mountain, not many years from there. And that will be a, a picture of what the father, what you father would do for us through Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all the lessons and instructions you're giving unto us. And we pray your great grace today upon Adam, upon the sons of Adam, and upon the daughters of Eve. Lord, that we will fulfill your promises in the earth today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next time. We love you. Amen. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.